Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Senra, and uh, just a quick active-inactive list for today, kind of following yesterday's episode. Alessandro Senator and Kayla are both inactive. That means uh, we've been forced to call up a reserve. Here is a returning guest. Everyone, please welcome Gavin Frick, who's a member of the Full Press Coverage family. Gavin, how are you doing? Hey, Kyle. Glad to be back. Uh, I'm excited to talk some football, and I'm glad you invited me on the show today. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be glad you could uh, <laughs> pinch hit. I, I, I mean, I, I could do this episode alone. I don't know if people like that or not, me talking for an hour straight nonstop and, and it being recorded i usually do that anyway but uh yeah i figure at least a conversation not with myself is uh probably a little bit more entertaining and always great to get uh different views on here so for starters uh you wrote an ad drop article and uh i know so we can kind of just briefly go through some of that uh you do that every week so if you usually that comes out uh sometime tuesday uh, we usually put that out, and uh, Gavin gives his top five ads and drops for the week. Uh, but it's pretty helpful. I know this week, especially, there is uh, a lot of th- players that I think are very important that are out there right now. So you want to just briefly go through that? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, Alan Lazard was definitely the number one um, ad to the article, a late edition. Um, I held out to post it Monday this week. I mean, excuse me, Tuesday of this week because just watch the Packers, there's so much uncertainty every week, and I believe that it was important to add Packers, because if you look back at my articles, Packers end up being on there more times than not. It's just mm-hmm. an exciting football team, and anything can happen, and as you saw, I had two additions from the Packers, and a one fraction Jimmy Graham, and I think Packers reason why I held out till Tuesday and it wasn't a matter of time this time. And instead uh, I'm really happy that I waited. Alan Lazard is definitely a guy you should go after. He's going to be a deep threat for the Packers and he's gonna make exciting plays. Especially with recent news that Monte Adams did not practice today. I think that's gonna be a very important player going forward. And uh, just two quick other additions to that. Uh, Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, neither of them have practiced this week, and they haven't been ruled out yet. LaFleur said they're going to wait and see, but it's not looking great. So uh, I think even even if even if they both play, I think Lazard is a starter for the Packers this week. Uh, again, the back shoulder throw, it's, it's one of Rodgers' key parts of his arsenal. And uh, Kumro, Allison, MBS, they've all struggled with it, but... Lazard came in and had it immediately at one incompletion on you know, the first target Rogers threw to Lazard. And then they figured it out in four straight catches and uh, three of them in that last drive to get that field goal drive to, and to drain that clock right down to the end uh, as a way to just uh, kick that field goal and walk off with the win. Right. And part of that was eating up six and a half minutes a clock. And part of that wasn't just running. It was uh, making sure you had completions on, on every play. And, and Lazard came up with three big catches all for first downs there. So, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, deep threat uh, and a 6-5, a red zone weapon, too. I, I also like that you added Jimmy Graham as, as a drop. Uh, and he's also, uh, I knew he didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. I forgot to check for him his, him today. But if he's out, well, then I, I mean, I know for me, tight ends, rarely are, are they ever worth the kind of rostering stashing, especially if it's only one in, one deep in a, in a position in a league. I prefer to kind of go week to week unless I've got a stud. And Jimmy Graham's definitely not a stud, not a, not anymore. He used to be, but th- those days are long gone. And uh, 
I think Mercedes Lewis could actually fill in pretty nicely. We could, we'll get to Packers ranting where I talk about how the, the Packers never should have signed Jimmy Graham in the first place, but we'll leave that for now. I also think that his Green Bay offense is just, that's always how it's been done. We've seen Romano Allison, we've seen Devontae Adams. They've all taken big steps in the middle of the season. We didn't really know who Lazard was until he came in on Monday night and stepped in ultimately propelled to the victory. And that's how we saw Allison get started in the Green Bay. That's how we've seen Adams get started in the Green Bay. I think this is how Aaron Rodgers functions. I think he doesn't have one coach receiver. And I think Devontae Adams has really been first one receiver since Nelson he's had. And instead, he's just finding chemistry subplots along the season. And he's just, he's just really meshed well with Lazard in that first game. And I mean, that's how even day back, that's how Cobb got his start. I remember his uh, rookie year. No, I think, I think it was his second year in the league because rookie year he just really did just return role as a punt returner, kick returner. And then that next year, Jennings got hurt, Nelson got hurt. And suddenly, I'm pretty sure in 2012, Cobb led the Packers in receiving yards uh, just because all the main players were hurt. James Jones missed some time that year too. And uh, Cobb ended up playing a big role. And that's, it's, yeah, you're right. That's the kind of the Packers way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also throw his name in there. I know he's a running back now, but he started off as a receiver. That's why he, he was moved to running back mm-hmm. because he was such a great dual threat. He won many people's fantasy football leagues in different kind of formats. Him as a receiver, and he get you running back points. And that's just that's, that's how we started in Green Bay. Yeah, I always joke when you. I remember having him in a league, and I could basically, even though he could only start three running backs, I was starting four running backs every week. Uh, yeah, in my league, I was I had him at a receiver. It's PPR, but run, uh, running backs, when you're a receiver, you got over 10 yards, you two points for rushing. Uh, so he would be getting 80 yards a game. He'd be scoring 20 points just on his rushing alone, not counting the check as a back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember Ty Montgomery, and uh, fortunately a bad end to his tenure in Green Bay. I know uh, that that should have been kneeled down in the end zone on a, a touchback, but he decided to return and fumbled it against the Rams. Lost. Uh, not that it lost the game. I mean, the Packers still needed that, would have needed that drive to come back, but it essentially extinguished all hope that they would win that game and cut the next day. <laughs> it was not because uh, he was told to just kneel down here and didn't listen to his coaches. He seemed, I mean, good for him to land back on his feet. I know he's with the Jets, and it seems like he's got a at least decent role there as a backup running back as the kind of the number two guy there. Um, so anyway, uh, that's way too much time on Montgomery talk. <laughs> Although I guess we could talk about that later. That's the Monday night game. So we can maybe get to that. Uh, but yeah, so week seven preview, um, we, you know, we did, uh, seven of the games last time and now it's the, uh, part two of this episode. So, uh, we're just going to start off with the Cardinals and Giants. Uh, the big news here is that Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram both both practice fully this week. Now, this is a one o'clock game, so you'll have that kind of certainty of knowing. But it's it, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like they're not even going to be on the injury report. So seems like they're both active. They're good to go. Uh, you plug both in your lineup. That's you're not listening to the show for us to tell you to play Saquon Barkley or Evan Ingram, frankly, who's I think the tight end two right now, even in spite of the fact that he's missed a game with injury. 
the Giants' defense isn't that great, though, so I, I definitely am not opposed to playing Kyler Murray, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, even Christian Kirk, who uh, we'll see if he if he returns. Uh, he did have limited practices on both Wednesday and Thursday. The Cardinals haven't released Friday's practice report yet, but uh, I'm sure we'll get that soon and again. As a 1 o'clock game, we're going to know well in advance if he is in or out or not, and then he can prepare you. It's not as if you're waiting till 8 o'clock to find out with uh, certain players anyway right now, even Monday. Um, so I think I, I think I'd play Christian Kirk. I don't really though, when it's when it's been him and Fitzgerald both on the field. It's really the the offense has been funneled through those two. Uh, and if if Kirk returns, I do think that affects how you play the rest of the Cardinals. I mean, you think about Demary Bird, Trent Sherfield, even Andy Isabella. It'd be a lot harder to trust them and play them if uh, if Kirk does return. Now, if Kirk's out, then I, I think uh, Keyshawn Johnson probably is playable and and. Uh, I'd still maybe even consider him even with Kirk there because he does seem like he's the number three guy, number four if you count David Johnson as a receiver. Uh, but yeah, those those main three or those main four players for the Cardinals I think are the best starts. Uh, on the Giant, back to the Giant side, Daniel Jones, Golden Tate, Jones in Superflex. I can get it because this this Cardinals defense isn't that great. Uh, Football Outsiders DVOA has the Cardinals as the fourth least efficient efficient pass defense. So I think it's a good matchup for Jones, especially after the tough matchup we saw last week against the Patriots. It's going to seem a lot easier. Uh, and Golden Tate had a, a huge target share last week, but I think that was because of the fact that Barkley and Ingram are both out. So I'm a little hesitant on Tate. I don't think he's going to repeat that this week if if those two players are in. Uh, so I, I, I don't, I'm not saying bench him, but I would temper expectations and I would trust a, a more... Uh, sure thing at wide receiver. Like, I mean, if Christian Kirk plays, I'd rather have him than Golden Tate, I think. Uh, and then uh, the Arizona tight ends, we've seen them play on the field a bit more, but again, that's been the Kirk injury, and they maybe not ha- haven't been doing as many four wide receiver sets. So if Kirk's back, I, I think it pushes those tight ends down to unplayable. You, you may get lucky on a touchdown with one of them, but you're not really going to get much else. I think you can you can look elsewhere for tight ends. And outside of Tate, I really don't know which receiver to trust. They've all kind of been got, getting playing time, but again, Barkley and Ingram, that's that's two huge target shares and work. You know, Bar- Barkley's going to get so many carries, too. It's I don't know that the volume's going to be there for anyone else. What do you think, Gavin? What do you think about the Cardinals and Giants? Of course, I'm in agreement with you. Evan Ingram's a must-start this week. Arizona started um, a stereotype this year in terms of tight ends. Uh, they give up 24.1 points per game in a standard tight end league. So, I mean, a standard league and it's long to tight ends. Uh, that's more points in, in Tampa Bay at number two, who's also given amounts to tight ends. Uh, you just you gotta start tight end who plays Arizona, it seems like. And I mean, Ingram is not a bad tight end. He's a top five. He's had uh, Larry Fitzgerald. He's on Swallow, Giants defense. Uh, Christian Kirk, if he plays, I think he's another guy. You could start on flex and deep leagues. Kyler Murray, uh, Giants are number six in terms of scoring defenses, so I think you've got to start Kyler Murray. It's a bad defense. He's electric. He's a top-ten quarterback in the fantasy. He's a must-start. And unlike you, I think Juan Barkley is more of a, like, I put a highlighter on him. I mean, I could start him, but a matter of how much production looking to get out of him, I'm kind of nervous because Giants understand they're not here to compete this year. And if they're going to 
limit his touches, I wouldn't be surprised. And even though he has Saquon Barkley, you are going to start him, but you can't rely on him to win a league. Okay, so I think to that, I mean, because again, you're, I think what you're saying, no one's going to bench Barkley. So what you have to do if you if you have Barkley is maybe look for more high upside players, right? Because you know you're not going to necessarily have that that ceiling that Barkley usually has. So if you're thinking of a, oh, do I go for a high floor play or a high ceiling play in my flex? I would tend to go with a high ceiling play. So you get that, if you can get that boom week, that could be enough with a, you know, not 100% Barkley to at least give you a chance to win the week. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. And I think Christian Kirk, like I mentioned, is a perfect uh, compliment to him. So if you play Saquon Barkley, if you have Christian Kirk hovering on your IR or on your bench, I would think Christian Kirk would be one of those players you plug in there, and he could give you against the defense. And I mean, I was talking about the Cardinals DVOA being the fourth worst. The Giants are the fifth worst. So it's not like they're much better on defense. This, this is, I mean, even though the, neither of these teams seem that great, this has a low-key chance to be a big shootout and actually a pretty fantasy-relevant game. I agree. Uh, now, this next game is probably the exact opposite. Dolphins and Bills. So, Gavin, you want to give your start maybes and sits? Um, first off, on my sheet, I have on the sit side the entire Dolphins team. I don't think you go into this game starting a Dolphins player. The Dolphins can probably the worst defense in the league aside from their own. Redskins, excuse me, they're not the worst defense, but playing to their potential. The Redskins are awful on defense. They just... There's so much chaos going there. I don't care what Bruce Allen says. There is that is not a good culture. Offense, I started off. And Drake is probably the only fantasy appeal on Miami at the moment. And I still don't think you can start him as the Bills defense. On the Bills, I really like John Brown at receiver. Uh, he's averaging 11 points per game uh, in PPR leagues. And Miami is giving up the six most points to receivers year and with Zim Howard out uh, Terry McLaurin four receptions 100 yards and two touchdowns he went off and I expect a lot of the same John Brown Josh Hunts another guy who could have a very good game because of that with Miami's secondary which is probably the only place on the team is depleted Howard and Brittany Fitzpatrick so, uh, I'll not start a single golfing and not honestly hope to start maybe every bill you have that's true. I, I like uh, Duke Williams a lot this week, and it's not just because he plays in the CFL but last season, but uh, came out last week and his first his first NFL game, he got a touchdown and a, a touchdown against a, a you know it was only, it was only one of two touchdowns the Bills had scored that day. Really good defense, and it seemed like it was really tough. And in the fourth quarter, who did Josh Allen look to in the end zone? But but uh, Duke Williams. So uh, it's what I kind of was th- kind of seen for this team in the offseason, Looking at that receiver core, you got. John Brown, who I really like playing as well this week, but he's a smaller guy. Cole Beasley's a smaller guy. Um, there was Zay Jones, uh, not anymore. And Robert Foster's injured. So, I mean, outside the tight ends, and even then, I think, I, I, I see it as Duke Williams might be the number one red zone weapon for this team because I of agree. his big frame and, and his speed and his ability to get open. So, uh, uh, yeah, good. And, and yeah, I love the call with Brown because you're right. It, and even, honestly, Xavier Howard, he's a great corner, but he he hasn't really been playing well this year because the, the whole team around him isn't playing well. D- defense, it's tough to for you to to show out and be a star if the entire team around you is is not to say trash. Sorry, Kayla, but like it's pretty bad there. 
So uh, regardless of if Howard's in or not, I think the top receiver for whoever's playing the Dolphins is, is almost a must play every week. And that's what John Brown is. Sure. And there's definitely a discrepancy between starting Bills players, between, uh, starting Bills players and sitting the Bills players. I think you're getting a lot more value out of starting them than sitting them. I know Vegas actually has them. I forgot to check today, but I, yesterday they had them as the highest uh, individual over/under for any team this week. Even they they were uh, they had a a quarter point more than the Rams against the Falcons. So they they expect the Bills to run all over the Dolphins. That makes a lot of sense. So Singletary coming back, they don't have two weapons that running back to Justin Gore. Uh, there's going to be a lot of different plays that they're going to be able to run now. Now that they have two different running backs, not just feeding Gore up the middle. I think, and that also is going to open the field. When Miami Dolphins playing, expect a lot of value in Buffalo. So I think there's just all the signs of Buffalo running up the score. Now the idea of Gore and Singletary, and I think they're both good starts this week. Do you think one is better than the other? Like if, if you, let's say for some reason you had both on your team and you had to choose between only one, if, would, would there, do you see one being better or is it, do you think it's going to be a, a 50-50 split and you're just flipping a coin? I think, I don't think any of them are going to be great. If, I'd rather start Singletary because of his upside. He's coming off the end, so we're not really what you should expect. So, or you know you're on, he's only get 10 to 12 touches a game. Uh, he's also see some zone touches, especially against Miami. So Gore might be the safe play. He's probably going to score a touchdown. Uh, Singletary, though, has a chance to catch a few balls out of the backfield in comparison to Gore. I think he's going to get plenty of touches. They're going to want to work him in because this is a perfect matchup to work him back into the daily routine. He's going to get more volume than Gore, so you start volume versus guarantee. Uh, that's why Singletary is, would be who I play because I personally look for higher floors. Yeah. Okay, and that makes sense. And it, I guess again, then, then that I always say it comes down to team building. Like, what happened Thursday night? What are you? And especially this Thursday, when a lot of people probably would have played a lot of players. There's there's probably some information there. Okay. Oh, the, their players went off, and I'm kind of behind. Then you definitely want to swing the fences. I heard. Uh, who was that? I think it was Jason Moore who said that. He's not a baseball guy, so he doesn't know that uh, you swing for the fences. But uh, I don't really like baseball, so I'll say swing the fence. But yeah, like it, Singletary does kind of feel like that, where he might only get, I think he's only had 10 carries this year, but doesn't he have a couple touchdowns? <laughs> like, he hasn't played, he hasn't had the most value, uh, volume, but mm-hmm. he still has scored a lot of touchdowns. I think it's three or four touchdowns this year. He, he's been a very good piece for this Bills offense. He has He's going to go off against Miami if he's given the touches, which is why I really like him as a half uh, set guy. But but I do agree that Gore had like you mentioned Gore has kind of that goal line work and he's probably more certain to get a touchdown but it'll probably be something along the lines of minimal yardage worth a touchdown or maybe two touchdowns if not that would be something that gives you the boost but Singletary can score from anywhere on the field essentially he's got that kind of breakaway ability even though he didn't show it at the combine he you know he he ran, broke off a big play in their uh, first game of the season so if he scores touchdowns it's probably going to be from outside the red zone. I agree. I definitely think once they get past the 20, uh, Gore will be the running back unless it's down. And I think that I think along the entire Buffalo offense, if you have someone on the team that's worth starting, you should probably start them. 
Yeah, and uh, Buffalo, I mean, it's kind of a nice schedule for them. They had the Dolphins last week, uh, Titans a couple weeks ago before their bye. Uh, the Titans this week play the Chargers, uh, L.A. traveling to Tennessee. I think uh, for me, Keenan Allen's obviously must start. Hunter Henry, after after last week, uh, I know I, I picked him up in the league, and because it was a late game and he w- wasn't sure if he was going to play, I think I'm pretty sure I went with another option, a tight end, and then regretted it when I saw Hunter Henry's stat line, and it probably would have changed the week for me. So uh, definitely not making that mistake. And anyone who took Hunter Henry and kept them this long, well, you were waiting for him to be back, and you probably drafted him early enough that you're not really streaming options. You're just going to play him every week. Uh, now, I guess if, if that person dropped them and, and you're someone who's picked them up and you didn't really put that high, heavy an investment in them, maybe you've got a couple tight end options. But really, he, he's it seems like he's going to be the number two target there almost consistently. Like this last week, I guess he was number one target, but expect Keenan Allen to have better weeks. The Titans corners are really good on the outside. So Keenan in the slot, Hunter Henry up the middle. That's going to be where the Chargers are probably going to going to have to win the game. I don't know that they'll be able to run that well against them. So I think those are the only two that you are absolute must starts. I think Derrick Henry's, a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a must start, but you're more likely than not going to start him mostly just because of volume. Although the Chargers defense really hasn't been that great this year. It's not what we saw from them last year. And I, they've dealt with some injuries here, but it, it seems like even with the pieces they have, they're just not, they're allowing a lot of big plays. Uh, it's not quite as, as solid as it was last year, where they were really among the best units in the league. Uh, I've got Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, and Mike Williams all as maybes. Uh, again, because it's a tough matchup to run against. And the one thing that happened last week, they... they uh, it's funny, because before Melvin Gordon came back, and when it was just Austin Eckler and just some of Justin Jackson, they ran so much in the red zone. Last week, they didn't run it once in the red zone. It was all through the air. And I know the, the Steelers' defense, that's, I think, the way you attack them, because they're actually really solid on the ground. Not so much through the air. Definitely a, a better unit there. But um, still, it, it was surprising to see no red zone carries. And is that how things are going to be now that the, the, I mean, the Chargers, they're, they're off to what? I think they're two and four. So they know that they need to start winning games here, uh, especially with Mahomes being out. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But, um, you know, the division's kind of more wide open. And they kind of, I don't know. But that being said, I really don't trust Philip Rivers this week because this defense is pretty good and he's really struggled lately and he's been throwing a lot of interceptions. This seems like the type of defense that the pressure could get to him and he'll he's got, they've got ball hawks back there, whether it's Malcolm Butler, uh, Logan Ryan, like, the, you know, these are corners that are have good ball skills and are, are capable of, of picking off passes. So uh, especially for leagues that ha- heavily punish interceptions, like uh, if you've got a four point touchdown for passing touchdowns, uh, to negative two interceptions, that's not too bad with them. When you go to like a, a six to four when you have minus four for interception, that's where that's somewhere I'd probably look to avoid him for sure. And honestly, other than Henry, I have no idea what to expect with Tennessee this week. Um, I'm of the train of thought that I don't I, I don't understand why Tannehill's playing. He's he, I know he has a, f- a couple four thousand yard seasons, but he's not shown nearly as much. Well, no, I shouldn't say that he hasn't shown to, at least in my eyes as much as Mariota has. Uh, not that Mariota's done really well, but I mean, Hanahill's done pretty much nothing in his career, all, except for dump offs to Jarvis Landry. If that continues, I say look at the slot receiver. It's Adam Humphreys. That may be the one option. I know I'm in a deeper league where I have to play him, but that's not a very good team either, though. <laughs> that's that's a team in a rebuild. But um, that, uh, you know, for me, I, I have to play him there because I really have no other options. It's a couple of bye weeks and stuff and injuries. But 
overall, I, I don't know that a lot of people have Humphreys and need to play him. He's probably the best option here, but even I'm I'm he- very hesitant just because we don't know that that's exactly what he's going to do. Like We can speculate that he'll play the same way he did in Miami. Maybe he somehow develops downfield passing and targets Corey Davis and A.J. Brown more, but I, I don't really, I'm not taking that risk. I got to see it first. So I look to avoid, every, you know, every Tennessee player except Derrick Henry, basically. Uh, are you uh, also running away from the Titans or do you, do you think there's a glimmer of hope somewhere? I think Derrick Henry's the only player I'd play as well. Uh, it's just scary having Tannehill back there. I mean, if you have no hope and Marcus Mariota, you are, you, you've given up basically on Mariota, in my opinion. You're starting to find Tannehill of all people. Uh, I'm surprised they haven't really brought in another guy they can just throw in there and see what they've got. You know, throw in a cost slot or, or a Luke Falk who just got from a New York Jet. One of those kind of players. Who, like, it doesn't hurt them because if you lose, you're going to lose with Mariota, so you might as well lose with a Luke Falk or a slot. slot. Um, Derek Henry's not going to play here because of that. Uh, you're going to want to dunk off to Derek Henry. And I think Deion Lewis's value has gone down. To almost minimal. I don't think most, a lot of people have in their league. He just doesn't value. Derrick Henry's sole number one running back. He's the only player Tennessee I'd play. Uh, in terms of Los Angeles, Hunter Henry's the guy you got to start well. I think uh, I, I'm one of the people that you described. I drafted Hunter Henry in fourth and fifth round in a lot of my leagues. So I went on to him uh, all, in all but one league. Because I ended up being Darren Walker, so I just like I got Darren Waller on the uh, waiver wire, so I didn't feel like I needed to uh, hang on Henry. However, since I had Henry in those leagues, I put him in last week. Not more of the same against Tennessee. Uh, Melvin Gordon, he's on my sit list this week. Uh, maybe that's because he's he's lost me uh, the past two games in my fantasy league. Uh, my dynasty league, I lost by one past two weeks in both leagues. He just Ouch. did not know what I was hoping him to do. That's just very unlucky. Um, that's the league that I'm, I was hoping to be uh, successful in. The is the first year out coming off a rebuild, and he lost me the game. So now I'm four and two, I'm still in good position, and I should be six and zero. Oh, but you know, it is what it is. But I'm not starting off board, and I Adam Eckler is going running back this week. Uh, and I mean, just uh, Justin Jackson's out again, so that there's no, at least there's no fear that he'll come in and steal touches. But uh, that actually could happen once he is back. But you're right; it's it is seemingly tough to trust them. Uh, Eckler's still kind of getting the pass catching work, which kind of makes him the more valuable commodity to have out of both. Uh, I, I guess there's one player I forgot to mention on the Titans. That's Delaney Walker at tight end. He actually he practiced in a limited fashion Wednesday, Thursday, but then didn't practice Friday. That's kind of worrisome to me when when it's the the Friday that you don't practice. I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens. He is listed as questionable, but um, I I think even if he plays, he's probably not going to be hundred percent. So definitely avoid Delaney Walker. Honestly, at this point, I, I I know and tight end. It's so there's such a low threshold for what what is a tight end that's worth rostering. I I'd, I'd look to probably cut him if there's another tight end out there that can give you some more upside. I'd kind of look that way. Uh, and we can move on now to the next game, which is the Ravens and Seahawks. Uh, this, I know this is a, 
one of the higher uh, spreads, I think, for a combined over-under uh, for Vegas. So they, you know, expect to be a bit more of a high-scoring game combined, even though, you know, they, they also have it a pretty close spread. Uh, it's Seahawks by three. 49 points. Uh, that puts it at, I guess it's tied for the fourth most. So the games they expect to be the biggest shooters shootouts are Rams, Falcons, Giants, Cardinals, uh, and it was Broncos, Chiefs. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, and then the next I just these uh, both this game and the Sunday night game. We'll get to that one later. But uh, this could be a game where a lot of points are scored. I know it. Both of these defenses, especially you know, you look back, let's say five years, 2012, 2013, where both of these defenses were at. There's so much talent that you would. This is the type of game that you would think, oh, man, you don't really want to start a lot of fantasy players. But uh, this isn't the same defenses anymore. They've lost a lot of pieces, especially the Ravens last year. Um, and both units are kind of below average, to be honest. So, I mean, I think at this point, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, and Mark Andrews. Those those five are all actually pretty obvious starts. And... I know Andrews wasn't necessarily drafted that way, and maybe not even Lamar Jackson, but the other three for sure, if you drafted them, you were likely drafted them to start them every week because you were making early investments on them. And I know Carson and Ingram, they've paid off. I was looking today. Ingram has, I think it's seven, it's six or seven touchdowns in this season so far. Uh, just been a, a goal line monster, and they've just been running so much around the goal line. Lamar Jackson doing his thing through the air and the ground, been pretty solid for you. Uh, and then Andrews. I'm not totally surprised. I had him in my uh, top 10 for uh, tight end rankings entering the season. I think I had him at seven right after that uh, Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, Hunter Henry tier. I think that next tier below, I had Andrews at the top because I I felt that he could become that the team's like consistent week in, week out lead target. And he he has become that. He may not actually lead the team in targets every week, but by the end of the season, he's going to be by a large margin because he's either one or two every week. And, uh, yeah, just been such a consistent force at tight end in a, in a position that we've really been grasping for, for more consistent guys like that, guys that aren't touchdown dependent that can get you productive fancy days without getting in the end zone. Uh, Marquise Brown's a maybe. I know, uh, I think last week he missed the game uh, dealing with injuries uh, two weeks ago. But um, so he and uh, he dealt, he's dealt with injuries all through. <laughs> I remember even before the draft, he was injured with the uh, Liz, Liz Frank injury. So. The fact that he came in week one and did so well and on such few snaps, it kind of gave people hope. But uh, he didn't practice Thursday, didn't practice Wednesday. We still uh, no update for Friday yet, but it's not looking great. I know I haven't been a maybe, but obviously if he's out, you don't play him. But if he doesn't practice again Friday, even if they kind of say he might be questionable, that to me means I'd probably move him more, more towards a sit and keep him out, even if he does play, because uh, we don't know what kind of health, health he's actually in. Uh, for the Seahawks, so Will Disley was kind of, especially in the red zone, becoming a big target. And with his exit now, it's, uh, I think, uh, Wilson's starting to spread the ball a lot more. And, and this year, there really hasn't been one massive target. Not like we saw uh, the last two, three years, maybe less last year, but, but you know, 2016, 17, it was everything kind of funneled through Doug Baldwin. Uh, and this year, we don't really have that. I know some people suspected that Tyler Lockett might become that. And I think there was one or two games this year where he did, but for the most part, it's target share is pretty even spread out there. So I think you've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, David Moore, Jerron Brown, Luke Wilson. Now that Dusty's out, Wilson be stepping up into that starting role at the tight end. Honestly, any of those five receiving options, they're probably good. 
Uh, I, again, decent matchup against the Ravens. I know especially Luke Wilson might be interesting at tight end. Um, we're just talking. If you have a Jimmy Graham, uh, you were streaming, and that's who you had, and suddenly he, he may not play. I think I'd rather trust Luke Wilson. It's a, a much better matchup towards tight ends. I know the Ravens do allow quite a few points. It's not the Cardinals. I remember I've, been t- I've talked about that every episode, and you mentioned it in this episode, Gavin, but uh, they're still not great against tight ends. Uh, and the one thing I've noticed with uh, Gus Edwards for the Ravens is he, he tends to come in a lot to kind of spill Ingram, but a lot more so when they're in blowout games. This is a game they're actually projected to lose. It's the Seahawks that are favored. This doesn't seem like a good game script for Gus Edwards, who isn't really catching passes. I think this is the type of game where Mark Ingram's going to be out there for most of the game. So I uh, I don't really like playing Gus Edwards. When they played the Bengals last week, it made a lot of sense. That team really isn't that good. Uh, but not the Seahawks. I think uh, that'll be it'll be tough for Gus Edwards to see the field, especially if the Seahawks do get an early lead and are kind of controlling the clock with the run game. It's probably going to force the Ravens to to throw a little more than they want to, which means less running and less uh, you know clock killing type of running that Gus Edwards does really well. Uh, is there any player I forgot here for either the Ravens or the Seahawks? Um, no, I. I agree with you. This is a game that I'm going to be watching very carefully because I'm super flex, uh, probably the most important league I play in. Uh, I have Patrick Mahomes, I have Lamar Jackson, and I have Russell Wilson. And now that Mahomes is gone, I'm going to need to make sure that Jackson and Wilson uh, up. I need them too. However, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have those three. Those are probably the highest quarterbacks so far, and I start two of them every week. Fortunately, I have not started Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson correctly yet, but I'm bound to. <laughs> um, I'm going to sit. I have Luke Wilson. I think there's not enough hype. There's too much hype for me to start him. I don't have enough faith in Wilson. I think he's there because he's just in a good situation. I just don't believe him as a good man. And, and sometimes he's both that Luke Wilson. All the hype warranted. For sure. However, uh, I don't think there's enough stats or there's not enough practice or game footage for us to be like, yeah, we have to start Luke Wilson this week. There's no doubt about it. I think you can go out and fight it. True. And I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't. There's If you've got an established guy, you're probably not even picking up Luke Wilson. It, I think it's more for the, the people that are desperate, right? Like someone, let's say you've had O.J. Howard and you've been kind of toting him out week in, week out. And I know that he's on bye this week, so if you're fine. <laughs> he won't burn you this week. But if you're looking for someone that's on a bye week or you have you haven't had one of those top, I don't know, how, how many t- tight ends can we really trust week in, week out? About eight, nine, ten maybe, if that? Uh, yeah, I would, I would say Ingram. I mean, Hooper's become that, obviously. Um, yeah. You have the top three who are super obvious, and Ingram and Henry that makes six. Waller, Andrews. Waller. Mm-hmm. Outside of all that, uh, that though, there really isn't anyone else. And um, then, I, then I think it's chase the matchups, right? So, yeah, the Ravens aren't. They're not a, a horrible matchup by any stretch, and I think they're definitely one of the better ones. Uh, but you're right. It's... Sorry. Oh, you could probably add Hooper. Oh yeah, actually you're right, Austin Hooper. Yeah, so uh, who I think at this point, in depending on scoring settings, is actually the tight end one overall right now. Through, uh, wow. and again, I, that's part of that is Ingram missing last week because before last week I think it was Evan Ingram. So the the one week behind is gonna maybe skew that a little. Well, actually two weeks now because they were just didn't they just finish their bye week? 
uh, Giants are coming off their bye week because they faced yeah. New England two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's taken, you know, Hooper two weeks ago, obviously was behind Ingram, but he's had two weeks where Ingram's kind of stayed the same. But still, like he's he's right up there, and he's been actually a pretty consistent force at tight end. You're right. So yet yeah, again, you about eight or nine. So a lot of teams are going to have that, but it's those. You know, it's those three, four other teams that don't have one of those tight ends. Those are the kind of guy teams that could consider Luke Wilson if you don't have a better streaming option. Yeah, I, I understand that. I just, you know, I don't play in 14-team leagues. And I think when you go down to anything below 14, I think there are 12 better options this week. Wilson, uh, obviously, aside from the people on by, such as Waller. So maybe if you were the number 12 team that is very unfortunate to have the bye week, you could pick up Luke Wilson. However, I'm not really chomping at to start Luke Wilson this week unless I'm in a 14, 16, 15. Well, here's a question, and I actually didn't mention this player because the way the Ravens pass stack, especially if Marquise Brown out, is out, that's probably just going to mean more passes to the second tight end, Hayden Hurst. Would you start Hurst over Wilson, or like which player do you prefer out of those two? Uh, taking bias out from myself. My game clocked. Uh, I would still start Hayden Hurst. Um, Hayden Hurst, I feel like, does have a high upside. I still, being the number one pick for Ravens last year, he still, still don't want to get him involved. Whereas Luke Wilson, he's a veteran who hasn't established himself for two years at least. I think teams would rather pass. I know Ravens and Steelers teams, I think both would agree that you'd rather pass to your second year, first year pick. And your eight or nine year veteran Wilson, especially after he came in off the street a couple weeks ago, because uh, he got cut by the Lions. But only I think only it might have been at the end of training camp. I can't remember if the regular season just started, but it was I think it was September. So it's not yeah, like he's uh, yeah. I see he Seattle has four, and then he uh, I mean not Seattle Oakland in preseason four, and then he got added by Detroit. Right. Okay. Yeah. And Luke Wilson does have a history with Russell Wilson. Obviously, he was on this team for a few years before, but uh, not not this year. Right? They they haven't had this much practice time yet together. So I, I understand that. And uh, Hayden Hurst has been getting red zone targets. It's not as if everything's going to Mark Andrews. So um, you know, I, and again, I think both are touchdown dependent. It's the matchups for both are, I think, decent enough that really just, try, again, trying to figure out where that, those touchdowns are going to come from with those tight ends that are, again, outside the top eight, nine that aren't touchdown dependent. I agree. I think I think we're going to see an interesting game between Baltimore and Seattle, though. I think, I think you're right when you say that this has a chance to be a high And I mean, I thought uh, Seattle playing an AFC North team last week was one of the best games of the week. Uh, when they played the Browns, that was very entertaining. Kind of came down to the to the end. Uh, Seattle had to make a big comeback, and that team's looking actually really solid right now at a five and one. Uh, could Not be a, expected. I mean, it could be an early favorite to uh, maybe uh, maybe get to the Super Bowl. Who knows? I, the NFC is really close though. The, the playoff, the playoffs themselves are going to be great, but the playoff race leading up to that in the NFC that's going to get really intense those last few weeks. Uh, any team, yeah, any, any team that's still in the race could win it at this point. Uh, the entire NFC North is still in the race. You have about half the NFC East is still in play with the Philadelphia and Cowboys. Uh, you never know what's going to happen with the 49ers. I saw people are in the them still, even though they're undefeated. I 
think there's plenty of teams still step up. The Rams are going to step up. I think if James Winston find his wits about him, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the top half of the conference. Uh, I think this is the team going forward. I, I, the NFC is going to be very exciting now, yeah, I think it will be. And, uh, I mean, the Panthers have done well with Kyle Allen. I know not, not everyone's talking about them. Their defensive line's playing so well. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, this is this is what we love the NFL season, right? Any given Sunday, the unexpectedness. And we're talking about the NFC playoff games. And this this could be a, a match up that maybe determines some playoff seedings here with the Bears and the Saints. Um, no, I, I'm a Packers fan, right? So I'm obviously I'm rooting for the Packers to win that division. But, you know, as you mentioned, all the teams in the NFC North are still alive in that, not just playoff race, but division race as well. Uh, could be the Bears. That defense is pretty great. And this is a game where, I mean, the C, the Saints defense is actually really good too. These are two above average units. And even that seems like it's kind of insulting them. Like these are two pretty good defensive units. Uh, they can shut down the run game really well. Uh, the pass game that with, with the pass rush is becomes uh difficult to, to pass under those conditions i think michael thomas is a must start he's a first round pick you, you know you don't you don't bench him but outside of him i don't know that i'd really look to start that many people i think david montgomery you're probably going to start him i have him in one league in the going for two writers league that's a 16 team league so it's uh you're going to stretch a little thinner than usual there so I, I don't really think i have a much of an option other than to go with montgomery but it's it's not the greatest matchup against the saints it could be a week for Tariq Cohen, uh, but I'm not as convinced in that. I, I, you know, I think I'd rather play Allen Robinson. I, I, I put Allen Robinson in the maybe, even though he's you're probably in the must start, almost in the must start range with Allen Robinson. I just think with Marshawn Lattimore, who struggled the first couple weeks of the season, has really come on strong the last few. Uh, that that you know, if, if nothing else in this game, watching the battle between Robinson and Lattimore might be the most entertaining facet of this game, and it could be a, a big determining factor. Because if uh, Robinson can get open and Trubisky, well, presuming Trubisky, I don't even know. Do we do we know for sure that Trubisky's playing? Uh, there's been no official word, but I think he is going to play. Uh, I will look at the report and everything. There's a very good chance that he's going to play. Okay. I uh, yeah. Oh yeah. He practiced in full all week. I just pulled up the. He's questionable, but again. Practice full all week, and it's his non-throwing shoulder. So you think that if it was his throwing shoulder, they may be more cautious here. Um, this is a big chance for the Bears to step up and come get a win. Uh, in the middle of recording, they announced that Alvin Kamara would be sitting. So this is a huge chance for the Bears to step up and steal the game by team eight. Yeah, and then we have. Uh, so just a couple of other injuries there. I mean, Jared Cook didn't practice this week. I don't know about today's practice availability. That's not released. Neither did Traquan Smith, who's been out since, I think, week one or week two. Uh, I didn't really think Tra- Traquan Smith would play. But, yeah, Jared Cook was a little surprising because he, he's coming off two straight games with touchdowns. And uh, now he's at risk at risk of missing this game. And, unfortunately, if, if he comes in with a questionable tag, that's going to be a 4 o'clock game. So, you know, you're only going to have maybe – five or six i think it's five games to go along with that when you know for sure if he does enter questionable we'll find out um i guess by the end of the day whether they designate him questionable doubtful out but uh maybe have backup options in case and make sure they're playing again i don't know that jared cook's necessarily a good enough tight end that you would hold you may just want to grab someone else and even if they start at one okay i'll just i'll just bench cook this week uh 
I know I'm thinking of, and we'll get into some examples of that with the Cowboys game, I think, of players where you want to have backup options because, you know, if these certain players are playing, you want them in your lineup. But if they don't play, you want to have an option to come out with or, or else, you know, are you having to cut somebody? Uh, so preparing yourself for those Sunday night, Monday night games earlier in the week and making sure you have a backup plan, a, a, an escape option, I always say, is I think that's uh, that's a key part of it. Uh, you know, unless you you can afford to risk to take the zero, maybe you're five and one, six and zero, oh, and okay, I don't want to cut anyone on my team. I think this team's well set up. Uh, I don't think necessarily playing someone in this Monday nights or in this Sunday night is is that worth it to compromise my team just to get that just to make sure I don't have the zero. I, I don't know, but uh, I think it's case by case. But in a lot of cases, I think you want to have a backup plan. Uh, now you mentioned Kamara's out, so that makes Latavius Murray suddenly an interesting play. Uh, again, the problem here is the defense. Uh, Bears DVOA ranking is, I think they're seventh. Yeah, they're seventh. So it's it's a tough run unit. Um, I don't know that a lot of points are going to get scored in this game. It's going to be like the opposite of the of the Giants Cardinals, right? Where it's two not so great teams playing big scores. Well, this is two pretty good teams that have they're both playoff teams last year, and this might not. Uh, lead to very much scoring i do think anthony miller is interesting though especially if Lattimore kind of shuts down robinson maybe miller uh he'd probably get covered by um eli apple i don't know that eli apple is that great i mean miller's kind of been coming on slow this year with the injury but uh, i don't know maybe it's this week his breakout uh but yeah as i mentioned michael thomas is the only saints player that i'm really comfortable playing i don't I suppose Murray, if if you can, but it's not. I don't think Latavius Murray, even though he's going to get the lion's share of carries, is a must start just because of how difficult the matchup is. But it, um, you know, if you're, let's say you're someone who has Nick Chubb and and Christian McCaffrey, they're both on bye this week. Well, you probably have no choice but to play Latavius Murray. Um, you could definitely do worse because it's it's this is a volume based play, uh, which I I know I'm always about <laughs> a lot of times chasing the volume. That's what leads me to talk about Leonard Fournette all the time, as I just did. Uh, but yeah, Latavius Murray, potential option. But I, I don't know, Mitch Trubisky, even though he could play, this matchup scares me for him. Um, and I, I remember, yeah, what podcast? Someone was talking about how a study was done and Trubisky after a long break, so to start seasons or when he's coming back from an injury, usually doesn't do that well. It's He needs to be, you know, four, four, by the third or fourth game in a row, he'll start to perform well. But uh, fantasy-wise, this could be a... A tough uh, play, I think. I, I don't know that I trust Trubisky coming back, too. We don't know if, if he's fully 100% healthy because his mobility is part of the value there because he can sometimes get you enough rush yards and rushing touchdowns. If he can't do that, you're, you're kind of losing on some of that upside with him. And it's, again, not a great matchup. I also don't think Bridgewater is that great of a play either, although I think I'd rather play Bridgewater just because we know he's healthy right now. Uh, but neither neither one is that appealing to me. Do you... Uh, do you see any glimmer of hope for either of those two quarterbacks? I'd rather not start a quarterback in this game. I'm in agreement with you that Teddy Bridgewater is a better play. Um, however, Kamara is going to be tough if you lose your best check down. Of course, the tape is pretty known. I'd pass it out of the backfield. But, I mean, you saw Thomas, but you're also going to be seeing Jack, who they also announced from this uh, Sunday's game as well. Uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, Tech Gens wants to step up. Uh, I think he's in your sick column, so there's really not much to pass to, and Strzokski's just not a feeling play at all. 
Uh, now let's get to this game I keep referencing. So with the Cowboys-Eagles, and I'll let you talk about your sit starts, but I know one player that is questionable is Amari Cooper. So I think Amari Cooper is the, the best example I can give. If you have Amari Cooper, you're playing him. If, if he starts, you, you want him in your lineup. But if he doesn't go, because it's Sunday night, you may have a limited, uh, you may not have any options on your bench, or you may, you know, you, you might not have an escape option there. So I think prepare yourself. I would say grab someone who either plays in this game, so maybe like a Devin Smith who would come in and probably replace him, or uh, if Randall Cobb is available, he's also questionable. Though, so that may not be the you want an escape plan that you know is playing, because if you have two guys that are questionable and they're both out, it doesn't really help you. Um, so yeah, if it's you know if, if um, and the other thing too is even though Amari Cooper is probably your wide receiver one, you most likely want to play him in your flex spot, because let's say let's say you don't have an escape option and Jason Witten's available. Yeah. I don't really like playing two tight ends, if, uh, flexing a tight end, but if, if you, I mean, it's, it's better than taking a zero, right? And if, if Cooper's out, if Cobb's out, although it's, it does sound like Cooper will play, uh, I'd still want to have a, a backup option in case. I know there's a couple of players playing Monday night. Uh, maybe you pick up a, a Jamison Crowder and just kind of hold him in case. And you only use him if, if Cooper is ultimately out. Uh, or maybe a Patriots player like a Jacoby Myers. So again, if you, if you have Cooper, I'd say look for a player playing either Sunday night or Monday night, and you can kind of use him as a, again, an escape option. Uh, there's a, I'm doing that in one league with somebody. I can't remember who, but it's basically um, Robbie Anderson's my kind of escape with that. I think it's I think it's Kamara actually, which now that we know he's out, I, that it's no longer necessary. So I think I'm starting Robbie Anderson. Oh boy, against Stefan Gilmore. I don't know about that, but. Again, that that's kind of what you want your those emergency situation guys. Although the Saints were nice enough to tell us earlier that Kamar would be out, so uh, I th- I think that the, the report on the on the on Cooper is that he, he probably will play. Or they're they're looking in that direction, but again, uh, we never know what happens pregame. He could tweak something, or he could just not feel right Sunday and and be inactive. So, uh, Gavin, how do you view this Cowboys Eagles game? This is a very important game. I don't think it's as important as people are going to make it, though. I think at the end of the day, the loser is still going to be in the race. This won't eliminate anyone. Uh, one of these two teams is going to the playoffs. And honestly, these two teams are two of the best six teams in the NFC, and both have a chance to make it in the wild card as well. So I don't think it's as important as people are making it to be. However, it's going to be a big game. I think it's going to be a game for a lot of people. Uh, most notably, I have Michael Gallup taking a step up because of the uncertainty around Randall Bob and Mari Cooper, of course. I think he's on bounce back. Gallup had his worst game against Jacksonville. Um, I think he's on a bounce back, like I said. For her, I think he's going to have a lot of confidence. Uh, being a number two receiver also in Dallas always works out people's favors. Uh, why Jason Witten is going to be such a great grab, like you mentioned, if Cooper does end up sitting. We're going to see Witten and Gallup running receiver one and two. I think being a receiver number two, that is not a bad idea. Uh, Miles Sanders is another player I really like in this game. Uh, Howard kind of like, he had a really good stretch. He's like, wow, Howard might be for real. However, Miles Sanders is taking that next step these past two games. And being as highly as drafted him, they're going to want to give him high value, I mean, high volume. They wouldn't have been high if they weren't going to continue them on as the years go by. They're going to want to get running on the ground right now. They're going to see what they have. This is a perfect game to do it because 
is Carson Wentz and escape group with Austin Jeffries. We're going to see Miles Sanders take a step up. I think he's on more volume, like I said. I just like everybody in this game. Austin Jeffries is on play. I think Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott starts. I think it's going to be a shootout. And I think this is the most excited for a game I've been all NFL season. Okay, well, this game better deliver. Uh, I think you're right about the shootout, and Vegas agrees. Like uh, as I mentioned earlier, the the Seahawks Ravens game had the fourth tied for the fourth highest uh, combined over under, and they're tied with the Cowboys Eagles. So outside of the Rams Falcons game and that Cardinals Giants game, it's, it seems like this is going to be the most likely to, to be a shootout. At least again, that's what Vegas is saying. Um, I think of all the games I'm excited for, I this is where I put my money. This is where I'm putting my money. Is where I'm putting my name on the line. This is the game I think that will boost fantasy football scoring that you need. I think if you have someone stashed for these games, I don't think it's a bad idea to play them. And uh, I'll take the fall if it doesn't, but I'm going to be taking that fall with you because I have a lot of Cowboys and Eagles stuff this week. Um, yeah, and being a Sunday night, there may be a lot of fantasy players that or fantasy managers that have a lot of their teams kind of okay, their, their teams are mostly done, so. Uh, you could make a big, uh, what appears to be a comeback, but you could just kind of set yourself up to to surprise and come up and get a, a big Sunday night win with it. Um, I guess the only thing I have an issue with is the play of Miles Sanders over Jordan Howard. Uh, the reason, I mean, I, I don't know, watching the Packers game, Howard was just tearing through us, and so was Sanders. Sanders had some good runs, but part of it was the Packers were so weak right up the middle that you know they were able to just run right through them. Well, what did the Packers just do to the Cowboys? They just ran right up the middle, and that defensive line really couldn't control a good offensive line that the Packers had. And the Eagles have a great offensive line, so I actually really like playing Jordan Howard this week. This because this uh, Cowboys defense maybe not as poor as the Packers' run defense, uh, but it's still not a great unit. It's uh, again in the DVOA, it's part of that uh, below-average group, kind of around with the Chargers, the Browns. Uh, the Seahawks, like teams that you'd think should be performing better, but really aren't performing that well in their, you know, their their defense, run defense, at least according to the DVOA, is really not that much better than what the Cardinals have to offer. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be okay playing Howard and and honestly probably Sanders as well because Darren Sproles is out again, so it just means everything. It's you know reduced to just those two. So uh, Sanders obviously offers good value in a PPR league because he's catching passes, but the touchdown upside probably sides with Howard, although. Sanders still gets red zone work too. So they're both probably viable starts. The one thing you said though, that I really have an issue with is that the Cowboys are among the top six teams in the NFC. I don't agree with that. Being a Redskins fan, I wish I could disagree with that. However, I think there's a lot of talent on the team. Uh, Oh, I I agree there. You go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Unfortunately, this is Dallas's last year to compete. Uh, for Dallas fans, this is unfortunate. I'm really excited, especially just moving to Dallas. <laughs> just moved to Dallas, so it's going to be very exciting if they can come up short for the last year. Uh, they have to pay a lot of people this year, and if they choose to pay Dak Prescott to be their franchise quarterback, they're not going to have much money left to pay their offensive line. Hey, Byron's budget. just paid Ezekiel Elliott, which is probably paid too have enough money to keep this team very talented team intact and I think we're going to see them being huge spenders at the deadline I think this might be one of the more active deadlines we've seen all the time as it is so I think Dallas is really going to get in there and spend a lot of 
draft capital that you have to make sure you make yourself in the best situation and make a Super Bowl push. Yeah, it's true. They're definitely, and as you mentioned, right now they and the Eagles are tied for the division lead. Whoever whoever wins this game kind of gets a step ahead of the other, right? They'll be four and three. The other will be three and four, and it definitely doesn't eliminate either team. But it, it's certainly nice to get that that step ahead, knowing you have that kind of in your back pocket, uh, especially for the Eagles if they get a road win here. Um, and I know again the Vegas odds tend to they always do tend to favor home team, right? And if a team is Favored at home by three. It usually means they think it's an even match and they'll just give the home team three. They gave the Cowboys by two and a half. Uh, and and I, I understand it, but I don't know. I think the Eagles are the better team here. Um, just trying to think of common opponents. I know, look at how the Packers, how both of those teams handle the Packers. Um, the Eagles beat them in a tight contest and the Cowboys for a lot of that game got the floor wiped. Not that they, uh, although they were playing pretty well on offense, it's just the turnovers were the killer. And not that that was always on Dak either. Um, so maybe, top six, maybe. I'm just, I'm looking, I think the Seahawks, the Saints, the Packers, I think the Eagles and the 49ers are all better teams. So am I, do I really think the Cowboys are better than the Rams to be that sixth team? I I don't think so. Especially not now that the addition of Marcus Peters. Um, so I guess that's just my issues. I don't, I don't think, I still don't think they're one of the top six teams in the NFC. Uh, but we'll find out. This this game may determine that. If if, uh, if they beat the Eagles, it's tough for me to say that the, the Eagles are better than them. But again, this is an Eagles team that we just saw win a Super Bowl two years ago. So they have that cachet. Uh, we know that they can win. And uh, I also think part of it is, you're right, they have a ton of talent. But I still don't trust that head coach. I think if if they had a better head coach, they, they may already have made a, a lot more noise in the last few years than what they've done with all those playoff exits and, and bad seasons. So I, I just, Jason Garrett still doesn't convince me that he can, can really lead this team far. I agree. I think Chris Richard uh, deserves a job, head coach job. And honestly, I hope he goes to Washington after this year. However, I think that's who should replace Garrett. And, and when you look at this is ninth season, he's had nothing notably in the postseason. He's had all this talent. He needs to go. I agree with you. Jason Garrett's not the man for this job. And it's kind of like everybody thinks Jerry Jones, he doesn't want to fire his butt. Sometimes it's hard to say no in your professional jobs as well. But you get close to someone. So, I mean, it's not just a business decision for Jones, but it's one that needs to be made because this Dallas team has so much talent that I think you're right. It's being squandered by Jason Garrett. Uh, I mean, and you say, no, no, he hasn't done much in the playoffs. I think could they beat the Lions? Okay, bravo, you beat the Lions. And then uh, they beat the Seahawks last year, who for some reason just refused to pass the football. So um, not as if, you know, and I remember the Lions in that game, there was a bad penalty call. It seems like the Lions always get screwed by the refs. And and then, but then, you know, after that, the Lions just kind of fell apart and a really bad punt led to some more points. And I remember, I remember that was kind of a big turning point for that game, but, Outside of those two games, you're right. I don't think Jason Garrett has any other playoff wins. So, and almost perfectly on time since we talked about it. As we you were talking, Mari Cooper confirmed he will play someday against the Eagles. So obviously he's a must got plug him in your line. Oh yeah, this Eagles defense. It, I mean, great, great front seven, but that secondary is. I mean, that's the secondary wasn't good before they were banged up, and now that now that they've lost their top two corners, they're just even worse. Uh, and we saw the Vikings. Um, not that it was a prolific passing game in terms of the attempts. I think Cousins only threw it twenty-five times, but four touchdown passes. They were 
yeah, it was quite. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's not a very good secondary. So yeah, Cooper's gonna feast. I know when uh, I do some DFS stuff and on Yahoo DFS, I think Amari Cooper is actually the highest priced wide receiver, which that's great, and I, th- I think he will do well. But that that seems a little extreme to kind of put him above a, a DeAndre Hopkins or a Julio Jones. But uh, again, we'll maybe Yahoo knows what they're talking about. Who knows? Uh, now we get to the Monday night preview. So before uh, before we give that preview, I just want to remind everyone to go to statementgames.com and join our full press coverage sponsored contest for every Monday night game. This week it's the Patriots at the Jets. So if you uh, if you enjoy games and it's again it's this isn't gambling, it's free for everyone. So regardless of what state you're in, I know a lot of states are starting to legalize it, but some still don't have it. But this is it doesn't matter where you are. You can be here in Canada with me. You can play on this website. Uh, you can participate. Uh, our contest isn't up yet. I think uh, it's still a little early on Friday. Usually by uh, late Friday or Saturday, it'll be up. Um, some of the props that will be on there will be probably to do with the, the game spread. So right now it's the Patriots favored by nine and a half. So you'll you'll definitely have a spread saying or a, a, a prop saying, or they, as they call them on the site, statements. Uh, that'll say Patriots will win by nine and a half or the opposite. You have the choice to choose. Patriots will not win by f- nine and a half. They'll have uh, over-unders for each team right now. The total is 44 for the, both games combined. So you can pick the game total over-under 44. The Patriots, you can pick over or or under 26.5. The Jets, 17.5 points scored. And then they'll also have individual players' stats. Um, I don't know what they w- will be yet. It'll they'll probably have the quarterback. So Brady over a certain number of completions, a certain number of touchdowns over-under. Uh Passing yards, probably too. They'll probably have that for both of them. Um, you may get Le'Veon Bell with either rushing touchdowns or total touchdowns. Depends how they want to play it. Sometimes uh, scrimmage yards or rushing yards. You'll probably see something like uh, they they usually do a lot of statements where they combine for receivers. So Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder over under combined. Who knows? Thirteen and a half receptions or whatever they put. So they'll have types of statements like that, and uh, you pick ten. You prioritize them. Uh, whatever you put as your highest priority will get you 10 points. If you get it correct, your lowest priority is only one. Uh, the top three in every contest, and these are small contests, eight to 12 players. So odds of winning are, are decent, but if you finish top three, you'll, you'll get coins, uh, which again can be used to enter the contest, but also redeem gift cards and, and other prizes for the full press coverage contest. Be sure to join that and, and uh, play along because you will have the chance to uh, win merchandise from the full press coverage store through design tree. So, uh, yeah, so as mentioned, joint statement games. Uh, now, for this Monday night game, we've, as I mentioned, the Patriots-Jets. Uh, the Jets actually have a, a decent, especially run defense. Pass defense, again, according to the DVOA, they're more middle of the pack. Uh, the Patriots unit's just pretty great, though. So I think Le'Veon Bell, as a volume-based starter, is is fine. But other than that, I don't think any Jet is worth an automatic start. Um I can consider a guy like Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, perhaps the Patriots do everything just to stop Bell and leaves things to the outside a little more. But you got to think Robbie Anderson's probably going to be covered by Stefan Gilmore. As I was mentioning earlier, that I've got a deeper league where I'm going to play Anderson. Uh, but outside of deep leagues, I don't know that you would. But on the Patriots side, I mean, you're, you're going to start Tom Brady, James White, Julian Edelman. Uh, I know this is a Monday night game, so we're, we've got questions coming into this game. Uh, not everyone, we don't know for sure about everyone's availability. I know Josh Gordon is questionable. Um, 
I, I actually saw that Ryan Izzo, the tight end, also has a um, a questionable tag. So th- there's there's a few things that are going to be kind of uncertain with this team, and I think just for someone like Julian Edelman, who's all, I think already in the category of must start every week anyway, but it's he, he's just going to see so much volume. Uh, but yeah, Josh Gordon, Matt Lacoste didn't practice yesterday on Thursday or Friday. Ryan Izzo didn't practice today, uh, suffered a concussion. And this uh, this is new, I think, actually, because he practiced Thursday. So uh, Ryan Izzo may be out with a concussion. So you may need to look, uh, again, another option. Philip Dorsett's finally practicing, though, in a limited fashion. So he, his return may be well-timed, uh, especially if, if Josh Gordon, Izzo, or Lacoste doesn't play. Uh, Rex Burkhead's also practicing. So now, now that I'm kind of saying it, I almost wonder if I take Michelle out of the automatic start, especially if Burkhead plays. I think James White's role as a pass catcher, especially in light of all these injuries, is is pretty secure. So I'd still start James White every week in Edelman. Uh, but we know how much the Patriots kind of love to spread things around. So I think guys like Michelle and, uh, you know, if just if Dorsett and Gordon both don't go, then I think Jacoby Myers will probably be a starter for them. Uh, but if Dorsett plays, I think he's also someone worth playing. Uh, the one player that I'm really hesitant to play is Chris Herndon. I don't even know that he's available to them. Uh, there's a lot. And I remember Alessandro referencing how much the injury report that the Jets had. And it's, this is massive. Uh, he And Herndon didn't play Thursday or uh, practice Thursday or Friday. So uh, even if he does practice, I don't know that you want to play him. This is a really tough matchup. But it, do, it does almost seem like Herndon... May not be worth, may not have been worth drafting and holding on to this whole time. Uh, to be honest, I feel like a lot of people are going to start dropping him, and now's the time to go pick him up when when people start dropping. My, I didn't think, and and again, I, I've talked about this. I feel like tight end, you're doing one or two things when you're drafting. You're either going for a stud that you're taking every week, or you're going to stream. Herndon didn't fit either because if you wanted to stream tight ends, you couldn't really pick up a guy that you had to wait four weeks for. So I know I don't, the only uh, shares I have a Herndon are, are dynasty shares and I've because I had them last year. So um, for a lot of people that this is the type of player I'd go chase now in those, uh, maybe not this week, obviously, but if he comes back next week, eventually that's when you go chase him. But for this, it's, it was a, he was a tough sell for me to, to draft because of that. You really, maybe just a lesson for next year. If you know, if, Go only go for tight ends that are going to be playing because you you want that kind of immediate production. You want to know right away. Okay, do I do I uh, you know do I cut bait and go out for a guy like this year, like a Darren Waller or Mark Andrews who really established themselves early. I find that that happens a lot with tight ends. Um, we see it when we see it right away. Those are the guys you go after. Um, so you really want to play tight ends that you, you are going to give you immediate results to that. You're either going to know right away that they're not involved, as you think, or that you're going to know that, man, this is a piece I need to keep or go pick up. Uh, So unfortunately, Herndon, even if he does play, I still think you're a week or two away from actually starting to play him. Uh, So Gavin, care to comment on the Monday night game? Um, As you were saying about Herndon, I actually picked him up last week thinking he was going to play, but he ended up getting hurt again. So I just get rid of him, and I ended up in that league, I ended up that Hunter Henry ended up being great because Hunter Henry wasn't supposed to play last week up until about Wednesday. So I ended up winning that accusation. Um, Robbie Anderson is one guy I'm looking at. And I know you have a torch share in him now that tomorrow's out. Um, I actually have Crowder over Anderson. If you look at the targets, it went 8 4. 
and Crowder doubled with uh, Anderson did, and Anderson really was saved by the 96 yard touchdown. Darnold threw to him uh, late game. Um, and I think if it wasn't for 96 yard touchdown, we would be having a whole different discussion on the New York Jets. Um, to point out more on the Monday night game, I think Le'Veon Bell is a important start. Uh, he's one in a lot of leagues, and he should be. He gets a lot of volume, especially with Darnold back. I think stock goes up even more. Uh, he's going to see more receiving targets because of that. Better looks because Team Director don't respect the passing game now. And he's going to get more rushes the end zone because I'll be in the end zone more. He's going to score more touchdowns now. He's not going to be limited to the one that he had in week one after actually playing for one last week. Um, I think New England got to start them all. Uh, Tom Brady is a must start every week. Julian, Julian Element, he's been going off a lot this uh, season. I think Sonny Michelle's another starter. Uh, him versus James White's always tough, but Rex Burkett has even made himself a waiver wire guy. I, I think Sonny Michelle's a tough guy there. And if you're starting someone else, it obviously James White. Uh, if you have them, they're good flex options. And I would not have a problem starting either of them. Uh, New England's Salvage himself as a team this year, and there's really no reason why you should mention anyone on the team. Uh, yeah, I like a lot of what you said there. Um, the the one thing that scares me about Michelle again, it's the matchup, the Jets unit. They're the eighth uh, most efficient run unit according to Football Outsiders DVOA. And they're right below the Bears, and if you can be right below the Bears defense in, in any category, I think you're you're pretty good. Um, so this might be a tough week for Michelle to kind of get that touchdown. And that's unfortunately with Michelle has been a lot of the times, can he get the touchdown or not? And more often than not, he will, but this may be a week where he won't. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I have him in the start, uh, section here. Once I found out that Burkhead may play, it's okay. Still a little cooler on him, but I, I still think you're going to play him most cases, uh, deep. If you know, if you're deep at running back and I, I have one league where he's, I got Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, so he's not starting over any of those guys. And the decision would have been between him and Philip Lindsay, uh, which so t- for me, looking at that, Michelle was kind of my fourth guy. Again, based on the matchups, but um, Lindsay didn't do that well, so it might actually be end up being the wrong decision. I think you're right, though. I think Lindsay he was a very attractive uh, play last night. He just, he didn't love in the half. It's kind of like Patrick Holmes. I expect him to score. 25 points a game at the very minimum. Scored 10 last night. Uh fan is still projected to win. He didn't even have to complain. The team's very good. I believe I have Mahomes. But it's just unfortunate. You, know, you can't control everything. And it's one of the dynamics of fantasy you got to love. And I think in those moments, Michelle's, because of karma, it's probably a good play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, actually, one thing... We uh, normally do on our Friday episodes if if we do record this on Friday and not a Thursday, is to recap the Thursday night game. So, uh, Broncos Chiefs kicked off Thursday night or kicked off Week Seven on Thursday night. Uh, Chiefs won thirty to six, which maybe wouldn't be that shocking of a score. I know the the Vegas spread had it at three, and I was a little surprised that it was that low. I figured that, you know the Chiefs would be favored by a bit more, especially at home. Or no, they were on the road. Um, but still, uh, three seemed like. Too, too, that was too close for me. Uh, so I was definitely thinking the Chiefs on that side. And, uh, you know, if you had told us that Patrick Mahomes is going to get hurt in the first half and, and leave the game, then maybe maybe that three 
point spread would have made sense. But even then, I mean, they, again, they really didn't need him that much. They they ran pretty well. McCoy uh, ran for 64 yards um, and 12 receiving yards. So all right production for McCoy. Maybe not what you would have hoped against the Broncos, who definitely are stronger against the pass versus against the run. Uh, Damian Williams, he got nine carries for seven yards and two receptions for negative one yard. So it was a, not a very great week for Damian Williams. Uh, I think Daryl Williams actually on only two carries and two catches outproduced him from scrimmage. So uh, yeah, not, not a great look there. As we mentioned, Patrick Mahomes, he was injured. He went before he was hurt though, 10 for 11 for 76 yards and touchdown. He, he was having a great game. And as you mentioned, he, he got you at least 10 points. At least he did something in this game. Uh, the touchdown really helped. So it's good that he got that touchdown before. Uh, as of right now, so what he's been diagnosed with, a, he dislocated his knee, his kneecap. Um, from the reports we're hearing, the MRI came back uh, negative for any ligament damage. So that's, that's good news. It seems like he's going to be able to return. And they're saying three weeks right now. I've also heard some rumors it'll be five weeks, so actually wait till after the bye. Uh, but in the meantime, it's gonna—it seems like it's gonna be Matt Moore. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs are because I—I think at this point he was—I remember he, they only dressed the two of them. They—they they didn't have a third quarterback on the roster. I think it was Anthony Sherman, the fullback, that was the emergency guy behind Matt Moore. So they're obviously gonna promote someone from the practice squad or pick up somebody off the street just to have as a backup and have a body there that at least is capable of playing quarterback. Uh, I don't know that the Chiefs will trade for one. There's been some rumors. Uh, I heard Mariota is a rumor. Someone mentioned Cam Newton is a rumor. And these are all kind of getting kind of extreme. I don't know that any of these teams are ready to give up on those quarterbacks yet to just trade them away to the Chiefs. I don't know that the Chiefs are going to want to pay up a big investment and kind of mortgage their future just to get three or four extra games. We'll see how Matt Moore plays. He did decent in this game, 10 for 19, 117 yards and a touchdown. Again, against uh, a pretty good Denver pass passing defense um so good on him for, for that he had the touchdown of tyree hill hill finished uh three catches on five targets for 74 yards the most targeted chief was travis kelsey no surprise six catches 44 yards again a string of performances for kelsey that aren't what we were used to seeing not what we were seeing last year um demarcus robinson he didn't get a zero this game so it's better than last week three catches 31 yards five targets uh, McCole Hardman had the touchdown from Patrick Mahomes, two catches, 28 yards. Uh, so, you know, kind of what you would expect, I suppose, considering how much, uh, with the injuries to quarterback, how much they decide to run afterwards. On the Broncos side, Flacco, 21 for 34, for 213 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, although he did fumble three times. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of times it was on sacks, so though. That was... Uh, Tough to blame him, and he's getting all this pressure in his face. Uh, Philip Lindsay, 36 yards on the ground. Royce Freeman, 35. They're even. Big difference, though. Royce Freeman got the touchdown. And through the air, Lindsay was only targeted once, whereas Royce Freeman had five targets, four catches, 32 yards. So this was definitely the, the Freeman week, not the Lindsay week. I uh, On our previous episode, I, I advocated to start both, and obviously was wrong about Lindsay. Uh, the Chiefs' run defense actually performed pretty well. They stopped a lot of things right in the backfield and stop for no gain it was it, it had been quite a problem for them the last few weeks to not be able to tackle and get teams off the field um so it was good uh time of possession was something that would had worked against the chiefs uh they were getting almost doubled 
doubled up on time of possession by opposing teams. Well, this this week they won 32, uh, 32 minutes, 13 seconds to 27 minutes, 47 seconds. So they won the time possession battle. They held the football. Uh, still, Cortland Sutton actually had a decent game. Six catches, 87 yards. Emmanuel Sanders, five catches, 60 yards. I was a big proponent of Noah Fant. He got five targets, but only caught one for seven. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was definitely disappointed there. I thought against the Chiefs, he may be able to finally have that breakout game. And uh, I was wrong about that. I, I know I started Fant in a lot of leagues. So I'm, I'm someone who... In those leagues, I'm going to be looking for more high upside plays because I know, okay, I, I messed up with Fant. It's only a tight end, so it's not that it's that important, but it, he underperformed to expectations into what I was kind of setting up. So now I'm going to have to kind of be behind the eight ball a little. I'm going to have to chase upside more than go for the, the solid floor plays, especially in one league where I have I played Fant and Lindsay. That's uh, not looking so good there. So i uh, going to have to figure out what to do uh, with the lineup. I got some big guns like Hopkins and Hilton going, so... There, I have the upside plays. Just hope that, uh, especially Hopkins, produces what we expect him to. Uh, do you have any other remarks about this uh, Broncos-Chiefs game, Gavin? I'm a fan of Matt Moore, actually. I think he's a quarterback. He's one of the few backup quarterbacks who's never gotten a full-time starting job. It's probably deserved, especially in Miami. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned about Kansas City. But they do have a tough schedule coming up. They have the Packers, the Vikings, but then they kind of you have the Titans, you face the uh, Chargers who have not been all what you expected this game to be, and then you have the bye week. So, I mean, you have two tough games, uh, but not two important games. You guys are 5-2 and two if you drop two to the NFC fourth opponents. You're only 5-4, but the Titans and Chargers can easily jump to 7-4. I think 7-4 is not a horrible place to be when your star MVP quarterback returns. And, and if I'm being honest, I think I'm going to take Matt Moore to lead this team to only one loss. I think this four-game stretch that I believe he will play, I think it will be a 3-1 for the Chiefs. But that's also because the Chiefs are just a very good team. Uh, I think we're going to see expanded role for Sean McCoy, expanded role for Amy Williams. However, after this performance, like you mentioned, a very lackluster performance for Williams, I think McCoy might see more volume. And uh, Terry Kill, we might see more packages involving him in that game. I think his values don't go up, especially now that he's back from his absence. Um, Chiefs, I would not bet against them, even though I've got the homes. Uh, it's good for Adam. I expect him to do well. Uh, I agree with the Matt Moore take, actually. I was someone who, when the, remember that there was that playoff year where Tannehill. Uh, got hurt at the very end of the year, and Matt Moore to come in and start that playoff game against the Steelers, and yeah, they, they really didn't do well at all, but uh, th- that was a good Steelers team. I don't think anyone was expecting the Dolphins to win that game, um, even with Tannehill. But then the next... He played a lot better than Tannehill did in a lot of instances during that game. There was a lot of spots during that game, like, wow, Matt Moore, maybe he should be playing. He made tight passes, and it's a pretty good Steelers secondary. But again, like you said, that Steelers team, no one expected but anyway then you had the next off season and Tannehill tore his ACL in preseason that's when they went out and got Jay Cutler I was definitely someone who thought they should have just stuck with Matt Moore and okay let's see what you have in this guy like really why are you getting Jay Cutler what is Jay Cutler going to bring to this team it's going to get you an extra win maybe if that and Cutler really didn't play that well so I, I know I definitely thought it it was unfortunate because it did seem like that was finally going to be 
a good chance for Matt Moore to show what he could do potentially. But what do I know? I'm, it's not like I'm the Dolphins GM. It's not like that. Because they, they, that, that organization clearly knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why we're on the, we're on the couches on Sundays. And that's why they get paid big bucks. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of people could have made that decision. I mean, they're home five right now. They're worth franchise. NFL, maybe if I Redskins. I mean, I, I'd rather be in Miami uh, boat than the Washington boat. You know, talking that locker room is, but obviously they don't know what they're doing at their own five with the amount of talent that they've drafted in the past few years. I definitely would much rather be under the Dolphins ownership than than what uh, Dan Snyder does in Washington. That uh, that guy. I never have anything nice to say. So uh, instead of saying that, we're going to, I think we're going to end the episode here. Um, so first off, Gavin, thank you very much for, for coming in in a bind. Again, if uh, this was up to me, this would have been one giant rant about, uh, maybe about Dan Snyder, who knows. Uh, but uh, if, you ever, if you ever do that, make sure you invite me to that one. Because uh, Washington fan, I, I sure have my opinion on him. I feel like I need a, a therapeutic episode here. Maybe after the season, I'm going to just do a one big giant rant episode. Everything I hate about football and, and sports in general is going to all come out, and then I'll just keep talking about it anyway. So it's not like it'll really help, but maybe, maybe it'll maybe it'll it'll help me cleanse. Uh, yeah. So, but we definitely would love to have you back on, Gavin. I know uh, you do good work every week, and everyone, be sure to check out the full press coverage weekly for Gavin's ad drop. He'll give you the top five players that you should go out and grab. Um, what is it that you do for that? Uh, is it percentage on ESPN, Yahoo, that you use to determine? I usually go on Sleeperbot. Uh, oh, okay. It's starting to grow. They go to trending. They stay out the 50, trending up and down. Uh, I always go to ESPN, though. I always want to check, we'll check. Um, I think Levert, at the time when I added him on the article, it was after his first reception, I added it to the article. So as soon as I saw that, uh, well, I only had four at the time, and he caught a pass. I was like, hey, maybe he's the new uh, Tommy. So I added him to the article, uh, went to bed before a second reception, which is literally play after. And uh, I ended up making sure I added him higher to the list, and he ended up uh, being a pretty good addition to the article. Yeah, I know I went and picked up Alan Lazard in a ton of leagues this weekend. And in some cases, I will be playing him just because it's what's needed with injuries and bye weeks. So um, anyway, so everyone, you can follow Gavin on Twitter at the Uh You can also follow this podcast on Twitter at FPC underscore fantasy pod. Uh, your regular hosts, you can follow Kayla Morton at MortonSalt74, Alessandro Senator at AM underscore Senator, and myself at Nyama underscore KS. Uh, be sure to check us out on the Full Press Radio Network as well as all uh, the shows from our, our Full Press Coverage family. And uh, be sure to, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review. Great. We really appreciate that. Uh, Gavin, any final words for our listeners? Oh, to the Redskins. <laughs> you know what? That Whenever I ask Kayla or Alessandro, they'll always say, go Jets, go, go Dolphins. And so that's that's actually, that that's right in line with what uh, what is normal here. So good job. <laughs> Didn't even rehearse that. Yep. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, the next time, and uh, I'll see you next week for the next Saturday. We'll... Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely chat it up then. And uh, after this uh, great uh, week seven of NFL lineup, we'll find out which players to go ahead and drop. Um, anyway, so thank you all for listening. Once again, my name is Kyle Senra, and this was Full Pressed Fantasy Pod.